your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about emotional flooding and that's a, that, that fear factor. So, you know, what is that? It's one of the biggest relationship challenges that people struggle with is emotional flooding. It, it, it's something that happens to everyone sometimes. And if you don't know how to respond to it, it can really escalate a conflict, create disconnection. Uh, you know, fortunately, uh, there's a lot of steps you can take to resolve it that are pretty simple, but but it's not necessarily easy. It's simple, but not easy. So, you know, if you think back, what is this thing, this emotional flooding? If you think back on a time when you were surprised by, let's say, some bad news, or maybe your partner told you that they wanted to get a divorce or break up, or maybe you got fired from a job, or maybe you got a word that a loved one was in the hospital. If, if you tried to recall how that felt, you know, how did you respond? Did you feel a rush of adrenaline in your body? Did you face get warm? Did you hear a ringing in your ears or maybe a pulse quickened or your breath got shallow? So um, on, an, on an ability to think clearly about the situation, it just goes out the window when you're emotionally flooded and your fight or flight freeze reactions kick in, that reptilian part of the survival part of your brain. You know, flooding happens when intense feelings, thoughts, or sensations overwhelm your ability to integrate them into the present moment. So your, your systems don't know what to do. And you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you can't think clearly. And once again, you go into this fight or flight. So emotional flooding can be manifested in, in a few different ways. Uh, first of all, your, your blood pressure might rise and cause a headache. Uh, you might breathe irregularly or go into a hyperventilation. Your speech might become labored. It might become pressured and become blasting out like a fire hose. Or you might feel confused or have difficulty thinking or responding to other people's questions. So you might feel a range of emotions such as anger, panic, frustration, uh, boredom with the situation. Emotional flooding also happens when you're confronted sometimes with some uh, deep, dark secret that comes out all of a sudden. And so, you know, it's, it, it's especially difficult to identify because it's, it's diffuse. It's a lot easier to recognize a pattern when there's a clear, specific feeling. But flooding can feel like a low-level discomfort throughout your whole body, which is harder to pin down. And in that way, it's similar to being, you know, hungry and angry. Hangry is what it's called because you don't realize that it's happening until it comes out at, at, at someone else or then uh, you might not be able to see it. And that's especially true when the escalation of intensity is is gradual. So a, a sudden shock like receiving bad news or having someone yell at you is a lot simpler to identify than a slow increase of stress. But either way, once you get flooded, the fight or flight and freeze reaction switches on and all bets are off. And so, you know, these are instinctive reactions to situations that we perceive basically as dangerous. Uh, while they might be useful when we're being attacked by like a wild animal, 
but they're they're less helpful for our relationships. So unfortunately, uh, our threat detection systems haven't caught up to modern life, and the emotional flooding often makes the situation worse rather than resolving it. Is it normal? Yes. It's one of the most important things you can do is to accept that flooding isn't something we choose to do. It's something that is programmed into our nervous system. And so each uh, we have hard times and we're overwhelmed or, or overloaded. These experiences train our nervous systems to see similar situations as a threat. And so that pattern is reinforced if we haven't learned the skills we need to self-regulate during challenging situations. So for example, if I had never been taught how to stay grounded and self-regulated when someone is angry at me, I won't have the skills. So when, let's say your partner gets angry, you won't know how to respond and, and it feels like a threat. And that makes it likely that you'll go into emotional flooding. You know, um, I've heard it suggest that, that men are more likely to flood than women, but in my experience, that's, that's at least partly because boys and men don't learn emotional skills as often as girls and women do. So that makes men a little more vulnerable to flooding because it takes less stress to, go, to be overwhelmed. However, it's also uh, talked to some transgender men who report that uh, taking testosterone makes it more difficult to self-regulate their emotion. And that suggests that there may be some hormonal or biological factors in addition to the social cultural ones. So whenever it comes from, it's not something we can have total control over and we all have times when we're when we're not able to self-regulate which means that emotional flooding uh, will happen so here's how to identify it it can be tricky to recognize when you're feeling flooded so if it was uh, caused by a shock you might feel a rush of adrenaline or heat moving through your body even then you might not notice if the sensations of flooding are quieter or more subtle than the stress of the current situation. So for example, if your boss yells at you and you get flooded, you might not be aware of your physical experience because you're more focused on being shouted at. Uh, For many people, it takes practice to be able to uh, notice if they're flooding. And at first you might not perceive it until you're well into it. And if you pay attention, You'll get faster and you'll be able to identify the pattern earlier in the process. So that makes things much easier because you can take care of the flooding at a lower intensity. You might also find it helpful to to ask somebody uh, that you trust, like a partner, a friend, a therapist, a coach, to gently tell you when they think you might be flooded. And if it happens, take a moment, take a deep breath or two, check in with yourself. What, you know, what are you feeling in your body? Are your thoughts racing? Do you feel stressed? And if so, you probably are flooded. So take note on how you feel so you can try to notice yourself in the future. And if you're dealing with emotional flooding, fortunately, there's some really simple tools that can use to take care of it. The most important is to slow down, to step back from whatever is overwhelming you. And, and, and that can be tricky when the catalyst for flooding is a conflict or a heated discussion with a partner because it can look like disengagement. And so, you know, take a time out, take a half hour, take an hour, say, let's get back to this in an hour. I'm 
overwhelmed and I need to step back from the problem right now. But let's come back in an hour. Let me process and then let's let's discuss this. You know, it, it, I find that when someone gets worked up during a, a, a fight, then storms out of the house, it's, it's often because they're flooded and they need to take some space to calm down. But, but if you do it in a way that feels like you're disengaging from or abandoning your partner, it's going to accelerate the conflict immediately. So you have to be able to be aware of it in order for yourself to be able to regulate it. And you'll probably find it more helpful to tell someone, you know, someone is uh, conflicting you like your partner that I'm feeling flooded. It's making it hard to talk about this. I need to take some time to calm down. I'm, I'm going to go for a walk. I'll be back in 20 minutes, half hour, hour. If you don't have to use these exact words, but, you know, the key point is let them know you're being flooded. Uh you know, you're not going to blame them. Explain that you want to be able to engage productively and being flooded is getting in the way. Take responsibility for self-soothing, coming back to self-regulation. That way, the other person doesn't feel like they're dump- you're dumping it on them. And tell them what you're going to do in order to self-soothe. So, you know, commit to coming back once you settle down. And that's important because that builds your self-confidence and your ability to know that you can self-regulate. So, you know, uh, you might need to practice it in order to figure out what words feel authentic to you. Um, And you might want to find it helpful to talk to your partner about it in advance so the two of you can refine your language. So one person might need to be told, I love you, while the other might want to hear, I'm committed to finishing this conversation. So plan for success by talking with each other about the specific words that will work for you both. Now, self-soothing. Now, that sounds like masturbation, but it's not what I'm talking about. Self-soothing is about uh, lowering the activation and allowing your system to come back into balance for many people. And by the way, the reason that this show is so important is because this emotional flooding can cause things like heart attacks. It, it can cause you to your your system to uh, your body to, to go, get out of whack. It can cause a lot of health issues. It can cause a triggering of a disease. It can lower your white blood cell count and make you susceptible to, to flu viruses. So it's this takes a huge impact on your system. And if you're able to learn how to self-soothe, if you're able to learn how to control emotional flooding, the damage that it can cause your body alone is enormous. And, and so you want to you want to get away from that as much as you can. So so for many people, it takes about 20 minutes for the body to process all that adrenaline, which means that you need uh, long before you can uh, pr- that kind of time before you can really come back and engage. So you might might need more time than that or less. But however long you need you'd better do it and give yourself that time. There, there are many different ways to self-soothe when you're flooded. You know, focus attention on something neutral or positive helps because it engages the brain. So take a faith-based approach that this is going to end well. Th- think in terms of instead of fear, t- take a time to figure out in terms of faith. I have faith that this is going to get solved. I have faith that we're going to be okay. I have a faith that I'm not going to go to the, the worst possible outcome. You know, that's important for us to do. And you're training the brain to deal with stress, by the way. This also helps bring the ability to think back online. 
So going for a walk or thinking about how much your partner uh, makes you angry isn't likely to work because you're reinforcing the flooding instead of trying to uh, walk around the block, count you know, all the red cars or the blue cars that you see and how many birds you see, look around the room and, and, and count objects that are of a certain color or find an object you really like looking at and think about why you like it. Drink some water, by the way, because water has 86% oxygen. And that's a beautiful thing because air has only got 23% and oxygen is what's going to bring your brain down and and let your body regulate. Um, take a shower. Take a bath. Allow yourself to take some space to lower your activation and, and uh, give your body time to digest the adrenaline. And then you want to come back, re-engage with your partner. So when it's time to come back, start thanking your partner for giving you some room. And it can be really scary to see someone go into flooding, especially if it manifests as anger. And it can be scary to let them take a time out without rushing to fix things. So while you're taking a shower, looking at the birds, whatever you're doing, uh, they've been holding their emotions and trusting your process. So a little gratitude and recognition for that effort can be helpful. It's also good to check with them, make sure that they're ready to pick things back up because they might not, they may need more time because of them having to sit on their emotions. So when you start talking again, you try to track your level of activation. And, uh, you know, the conversation will only be productive to the degree that you can both stay sufficiently self-regulated. That means to be within our adult self. So when we do conflict, what's very, very important is that we state our emotions. You know, I'm very upset with you. You know, I'm very disappointed. I wanted to trust you in this. I, 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 I feel that you didn't think about me. Uh, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. So you're just stating emotions. And, and when you do that and you're having that conversation, you're staying within your adult self and you're not escalating with tone and using your hands and getting in space and looking threatening, all that kind of stuff. You know, if you feel like you're getting worked up to the point where flooding might happen again, that's the time to slow down. You might need to take another time out and a time back. And if you push yourself past your ability to self-regulate, you're going to go back into that flooding, which makes things take a lot longer. So this is a situation where you get there faster when you take it slow. So going slowly also gives you both an opportunity to practice self-regulating, which means that you'll be able to improve easily. And you might find it useful to work with a therapist or a coach since they can identify your patterns and offer specific tools to address. Sometimes it's better if you're going to do a major confrontation to do it with somebody who can mediate. Um, and that would be a therapist. Um, that would be somebody uh, like a psychologist. That's a, that's a good thing because then you're less likely to flood and more likely to be heard and hear both sides. And so, you know, if you want that, it, it's, it's especially true if the way your flooding manifests causes people to feel flooded and vice versa. So those situations, you're each escalating each other and you're headed for a spiral. If you know it's going to be that kind of conflict, once again, get somebody to help mediate and get an objective thing. You know, sometimes people um, wait to uh, uh, say, hey, I had an affair or, hey, um, we're out of money or, hey, I lost my job or whatever, whatever it is. 
those big bombs are oftentimes uh, much more constructive if they're done in the in the grounds of a therapy session, at least uh, so that people can understand what are symptoms and understand that they're not responsible, you know, the receiver's not responsible for the bad news. Whatever it is, it's, it's important for them to be objective and be able to be constructive to solve the problem. And you want to practice, practice, practice. And, and part of what makes emotional flooding a challenge is that it makes it difficult to think clearly and speak non-defensively at exactly the moment when you feel like you need to. And so when you're, you're changing your patterns and responses, it won't happen overnight. And it's important to have realistic expectations about you, what you and your partner can do. So you sm- celebrate the small triumphs rather than focusing on how, on how they aren't enough. And when things don't go smoothly, use that as an opportunity to find a better approach next time. So beating yourself up for not getting it right will only make things more difficult. So your habits and your patterns around emotional flooding are, you know, probably deeply ingrained, perhaps for years, and it takes some time to change them, but every little bit helps speed things along. So when some consistent effort, you'll get to the place where you'll look back on where you are and you'll be amazed how far you've come. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about overflow when we come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, 
please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about emotional flooding, which is basically a fear factor from our brainstem, and it is explosive. So when we when we get into the emotional flooding, the real, you know, that's when all of our emotions come at once. Anger is usually the main one because anger is the motivation to fight or flight, fight, fight or flight. And since we're coming from that reptilian brain, that's the instinct that's going to come out. So um, we're going to instantly be defensive. Or we're going to run. And so people, when they're presented with a surprise, like a, 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 a rash or something that they did that they shouldn't have done or, you know, a betrayal or a uh, when they're being confronted with uh, somebody that's extremely angry and we perceive it as dangerous or could cause an outcome that we can't control, often emotional flooding is what what takes over. And sooner or later, later um, that that lack of control if you try to resolve something at that moment these flashes of anger and defensiveness are are very are not productive and they take a major toll on your body they make it they they make your immune system go down they they can cause heart attacks it can cause stomach problems it can cause uh, major migraine headaches all kinds of stuff because the stress level is so high and the adrenaline uh, that is a poison to our body. Adrenaline is, is, is not a foreign substance to our body. It's meant for fight or flight and mostly for flight. And so here we are being conflicted to fight and at the same time we have adrenaline to fly and that means to run from the woolly mammoth. It's a very primitive uh, part of our brain that has, has always been there, but that is our survival mechanism. And when we have to do the survival stuff, um, our, our body takes enormous impact. And so a lot of things can happen uh, to us uh, from a health perspective. And so it's important, especially as you get older, that you learn the difference between emotional flooding and the emotions we experience every day and its magnitude. So during uh, an episode of emotional flooding, our rational mind's disconnected, our nervous system is saturated, our prefrontal cortex no longer exists, and that means we're not human. And uh, at this point, our instinctive reactions may further worsen the situation and cause a big flood of anger. And so we want to learn how to control this. And we talked about this in the previous segment, but I'm going to be more specific in this one. How is it triggered? Well, you know. Well, once again, it, it's it's when we're overheating, when we're confronted with something that causes us to feel like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get a divorce or, oh, my gosh, uh, 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 I've just lost my job or all our money is has been moved to something or somebody has uh, taken our Social Security number. Uh, somebody is, uh, you know, trying to mortgage our house uh, illegally or, or maybe we've been broken into and uh, stolen, maybe we've been robbed. There's all kinds of situations, or or just our partner is is uh, extremely abusive, um, verbally abusive, and angry, and 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 overwhelming my sense of uh, of feeling safe. 
And so the problem is, it's very likely our, uh, you know, our brain is going to lose control and our emotional flood occurs where there's no room for understanding. Empathy disappears and each one is fighting for survival. And so, you know, what we can avoid in these situations is make a commitment to be peaceful with yourself. We usually go through life reacting to situations, but we can learn to develop our self-control and have more control of our lives. You know, we can't avoid feeling frustrated or angry, but we can stop this avalanche of emotions before being completely flooded. So make a commitment to yourself not to lose patience, not to think before you're speaking, to walk away before you're causing harm and you can't control the anger. It's better not to do conflict while you're amped up on emotional flooding. You also want to learn to spot signs of impeding a catastrophe once emotional hijacking occurs and our prefrontal cortex is disconnected. There's little to do. However, if if we know enough ourselves, we know what the point of no return is. Thus, when we notice we begin to get nervous or angry, we can take a break before the situation gets out of hand. We also want to press the pause button. You know, when you're ready to explode, it's best for you to pause Forget the situation for a moment. Focus on yourself. You know, focus on on an object. Focus on a color. Take deep breaths. Drink some water. You know, count to 20. Count to 100. Another alternative is using visualization. So imagine a, a moment that you're in a quiet place where you feel at ease with yourself. And then you become an observer. You know, it's, it's a key point to put some distance between us and our thoughts and our emotional storm. Imagine your outside observer on the scene and, and what would, would think of what is happening. You know, what would be your attitude? How would you solve the situation? When you can establish an emotional distance, you will recover control and find it easier to hit a solution. You know, um, and I feel like sometimes giving this information to you, you know, especially if somebody lies a lot and they fall, you know, if, if people lie a lot, the bottom line is they're going to be held accountable for their lies. And if you're a lying adult who's, who's later in your life, you're taking away from your integrity. And so you have to realize the only way to manage your integrity is to be honest. And if you don't want to have lots of emotional flooding, then a good idea would to be not to lie because people that have to carry these deep-seated affairs that they've had or lies that they've had or, you know, double lives that they've lived, those things come back at you. And, you know, they may want to, uh, you know, change your perspective uh, on how you live. And and so if you want to live a very stressful life, if you want to live a short life, uh, then the idea is don't manage uh, don't lie. Number one, if you want to live a longer life, don't lie. But if you're going to live a shorter life, lie because you have a lot of work you have to do to sustain that lie. You also um, want to change your perspective, especially if you're married or with somebody in a long-term relationship, on your partner. Uh, when, when we're on the verge of an emotional flood, uh, we all see our, uh, rigidity, anger, frustration, but we're only able to see a negative picture. So if we react with anger, 
However, the person in front of us, which we know probably very well, is a loving partner, a devoted mother, a, 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 a solicitous child. It means that taking a step back to see the picture in perspective and develop a more balanced view of that person before you jump into the middle of a conflict. You know, if you're a highly sensitive person, you know what it's likely to be truly flooded. Highly sensitive people flood a lot. Flooding is another term, you know, for being overwhelmed emotionally, mentally, but highly sensitive people, HSPs, they're especially susceptible because how their brains are wired. Their nervous systems have a lower threshold, which means they're more responsive to stimulation. And and, uh, highly sensitive people... uh, are usually labeled sensitive by the average person. Or if a parent would say that's a sensitive child, well, that that's a highly sensitive person, and that's just how they're wired, folks. And so what's more important is uh, is they want to learn how to manage that too. But we want their we highly sensitive people, you you wanna have a higher threshold if you can possibly get there. It's not bad to be a highly sensitive person person. Uh, Highly sensitive people are often extremely empathetic, extremely worried about how they're seen or what's going on, but they're uh, constantly feeling a sense of danger or uh, vulnerability. And so, uh, you know, their response can be very uncomfortable. So, you know, imagine you're eight years old and it's past your bedtime, but you're desperately craving a cookie. So you sneak downstairs in, you know, stealth mode to avoid getting caught by your parents. You open up the jar and gently set the lid down, reach your hand in and freeze. Absolutely certain you just heard a noise. Immediately, your, your, your heart starts racing, your ears throb as they strain to hear any noise, your body tenses in preparation to having to move at the speed of light. If your parents do know you're in the pursuit of a cookie and your brain starts developing possible explanations for being out of bed. And, and this is very similar to how HSP functions in day-to-day life, their, their bodies Their minds are in constant attention, ready to react to any situation with the necessary emotional and physical responses. So take a breath. You succeed in getting the cookie and sneak back unnoticed. Wow. (laughs) Because of the heightened readiness to respond to any given situation, HSPs get overwhelmed by things that may not phase anybody else. For example, they may be impacted by bright lights by semi-loud noises, a change in temperature, a slight change in someone's mood, or anything else that changes without warning. So given the way we're influenced by these subtle parts of life, the big things are much bigger for us when we're faced with things like meeting your boss, interviewing for a job, addressing a conflict with a friend, with a partner, listening to someone vent uh, can lead highly sensitive people to just emotional flood. And for them... um, with mental disorders such as anxiety, it becomes even easier for highly sensitive people to uh, just get overwhelmed. And, and it's different for everyone, the flooding, but chances are you'll know when it happens. So, so highly sensitive people, you may have a hard time focusing as your brain gets overwhelmed trying to process information. And that vulnerability alone causes even more anxiety. You also may feel anxious or you withdraw from mentally as the brain overheats and and copes by turning off for a second. Uh, You may feel like running 
uh, in response, and you may debate whether you can stick the situation out if you need to flee for safety. Also, your emotions may be all over the place, so you may not be able to explain which emotions you're feeling. You know, a lot of highly sensitive kids, when their parents are fighting, which is traumatic experience for anyone, but the bottom line is they will hide in their room. They will hide in their room and, and even pretend not to hear it. Um, they may turn some music up in their ears, whatever, but they, they they have a hard time dealing with any kind of emotional conflict whatsoever. So, you know, uh, you may have the, the uh, highly sensitive people may have physical symptoms like sweaty hands, tunnel vision, lightheadedness. Um, it also can be like a complete shutdown or a panic attack. What, whatever form it takes, being flooded is really uncomfortable and it takes a long time, a long time for it to come down. So if we're going to deal with it as a highly sensitive person, very important for you to learn uh, what you have to do. You know, honestly evaluate, you know, whether you need to remove yourself from the situation. If you're having panic or unsafe thoughts. And once again, I'm talking to highly, mostly highly sensitive people, but all people could use this. And we've kind of hit on this earlier in the show, but highly sensitive people, once again, they get flooded constantly. And so they need to be extremely sensitive about how to decompress. You know, it might be going to the bathroom, uh, break room, your car for a couple moments, breathing, call a friend, listen to your favorite song. If you need to leave, uh, you have permission to do so. Give yourself permission to do so. Also breathe and drink water. You know, it's probably the most common overemphasized anxiety reducing technique ever suggested, but there's a reason for that. Breathing really does work and it can be done subtly. Try taking a big breath and then huffing it out quickly or breathe in counting to five and then breathe out counting to five and go slower than you feel is normal. Soon your heart rate will start to come down and the oxygen will help your brain and the anxiety will tell you that you can't afford to slow down your breathing, but try it anyway because it's worth it. You know, count things. If it sounds weird, but it works, you can count five things you see. Four things you hear, three things you can touch. So now you're getting back in touch with your senses. Very, very important. And, you know, count backwards by increments of three. And that's especially effective if it engages the brain more than counting up and thereby uh, taking our brain out of the anxiety mode. So, you know, try tapping. Many highly sensitive people benefit from a technique called tapping. So tapping involves gently tapping certain places on your body to distract your anxiety and, and, uh, and as part of the brain and re-engage your logic centers. So you can learn you know, about tapping probably on Google or whatever, but tapping can be a very calming thing. Also, mindfulness. You know, that, that could be really helpful after being flooded as it soothes the brain and it gets your focus back on the present. So practicing it can constantly help reduce the frequency of being flooded. And so there's many applications for this, like breathing, headspace, calmness. You know, you can even get apps on your uh, on your smartphones. And also you want to treat yourself. Let's be real. These moments suck. So in the moment, be as empathetic to yourself as you would be your best friend if they are flooded. Speak kind, dog judgmental thoughts to yourself. 
validate your body and mind's response by telling yourself something like, hey, yes, I'm feeling flooded, but I'm okay, and I'm going to feel a lot better in a couple minutes. And, 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 you know, be good to yourself. You can be frustrated that the flooding happened, but don't be frustrated with yourself for being flooded. See it as an accomplishment that you made it through and reward yourself for doing that, whether it be a a cup of coffee, decaf preferably, or making a a dinner or going on a long walk. That's very, very important to self-soothe, to take care of yourself. But here's the bottom line. All conflict is a trust-based issue. So at any time you're in a conflict, there's a trust issue. And so resolving that conflict calls for you to deal with the trust and understand how to get it back. And the only way back is to ask, I need you to have faith that I'm learned from this and I'm going to change. I need you to have faith that this is not going to happen again. Or I need you to have faith that I didn't intend to hurt you. Um, whatever that is. So when we're doing conflict, we're trying to get that trust back. So the bridge to trust is faith. And we have to ask for that when we have conflict and when somebody perceives that we cannot be trusted. You also want to you know, tell somebody the scariest part of these moments is feeling like you're the only one who has them. But find somebody trusted and express how you reacted to a situation. And they, they probably will know exactly how you feel. Either way, talking about it is helpful because it normalizes your experience and then if flooding happens again you already have an ally in your court who can support you as you do what you need to do to take care of yourself you know that's the thing objectivity objectivity can only happen if you begin to communicate with someone who can be objective and that's a very important part of learning how to calm yourself down now looking at all this we know everybody knows that if you're going to be in a relationship, you're going to be flooded. You're going to be flooded because there's two of you and most people don't communicate very well. Many people don't communicate at all, especially men. And uh, basically a lot of surprises happen. A lot of things happen that you don't want. So how can you find forgiveness? Well, forgiveness is very important to people that have experienced emotional flooding because the more forgiveness that they've had in their life, the more they learn how to forgive. So forgiveness comes from a very simple place. Uh, Forgiveness means that we don't start beating on the thing that happened that nobody likes. What we do is we beat on the intention. We try to find out what the process was that made it to the bad decision. Because if you focus on the process, you're looking for a forgiveness. Forgiveness. And so, once again, we want to use these words, what or how. How did you decide to do this? What made you think that this was something to do? And we need to do that not only with our partner, but with our friends and our children. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about relationships and emotional flooding. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. 
That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay. We're talking about emotional flooding, which is basically a brainstem fear factor reaction to when we're getting surprised by new information or being confronted on a lie, um, being fired from a job, uh, going bankrupt all of a sudden, or or uh, somebody steals your credit cards or steals your money from the bank, whatever, whatever happens, being robbed, all those kind of things uh, can cause enormous amounts of flooding. And if you think you're not going to flood in this life, you are going to flood. And emotional flooding is basically uh, a, a fear, a fear reaction, and it can be very damaging. And as I discussed a couple times earlier, it's something that oftentimes uh, – will hijack our whole body, our whole system, our brain, everything, our ability to be a human being. And to do high conflict during the time that you're flooded is never a good idea. Lots of things will happen because you you may uh, try to defend yourself. You may try to lie your way out of it. You may try to, uh, you know, you're just going to come back with anger in a form of or aggressiveness in a form of words um, and you're not going to resolve things so when you're emotionally flooded the first thing you have to do especially if you're you're in a relationship is you need to step back and give yourself and your spouse um, you know the communication that you're being overwhelmed and uh, you know it's giant waves of bad feelings and fear that completely will knock you down and take uh, rational thought away. So for 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 a person to expect to be able to resolve a conflict when they've dropped a bomb on the other person and confronted them with something that that person doesn't like to be confronted with, um, they're in fight or flight mode. So how in the world are they ever going to be constructive and have that conversation? They need to get through the flooding first. And they and uh, we've t- we've talked about so many different ways to. Uh, 
to get behind that and and to try to calm yourself down i'll try to give some more tools but you know if you're going to be married or in any kind of committed relationship you know uh, that it's never a good you common sense you know it's never a good idea to drop new information on someone and then expect to resolve it at that moment you need to drop the information and say, let's have some time. I know you're probably flooding. I know you're going through a lot. I know it's really hard, especially if you're angry at someone for lying to you or betraying you. Bottom line is it's important to allow that person to at least process so that we can get some kind of closure and adult conflict going on uh, before we, you know, instead of tackling that issue right at that moment. Uh, The highest moment for people to begin to lie is when they're emotionally flooded because they want safety. And so they will go after safety and they will lie their way through, try to lie their way through it. But nothing they're saying is going to have much thought to it. And it probably can be fact checked. And now they're even deeper into the flooding because they're lying and they're not able to really uh, confront the issue in a truthful way. And so sadly, People that go into emotional flooding, they will lie and make the whole situation 10 times worse and reinforce what the bad thing that they may have caused to happen that affects other people. And so, you know, if we have to understand that, that it's, it, it, it is a very dangerous, it's very dangerous, not only for our health, for our stress, don't want heart attacks, uh, we don't want people dying. But what we do want is to calm that emotional flooding down and endure a little bit of self-soothing before we go into the major conflict. And so there's a, the reasoning behind emotional flooding is, uh, you know, is perhaps, uh, you know, uh, your spouse has witnessed something bad happening. Um, or maybe uh, uh, amount of words are being thrown at them or they just can't take it all in. Uh, sometimes it can be normally uh, explosive uh, and, and an issue. And, and, you know, we really recommend uh, there's a book and it's a good book, actually. It's called Explosive Anger in Marriage. And it's uh, Dr. Uh, Dan Siegel, and he talks about this biochemical reaction where part of the brain just shuts down, reasoning stops, the more animalistic part of the brain takes over. You know, I don't know if you've seen this happen, but most of us have. And so, you know, it's really a good idea. Once again, if you're going to do a high conflict scenario in a relationship, we, we want to do that maybe with a mediator. Maybe somebody who can be objective, but also if we're going to process emotional flooding, go talk to somebody during your time you're trying to calm yourself down and get a person that you know can help you calm down. Somebody that calms you down just by being objective and kind, you know, call a minister, call somebody that you're friends with, somebody who you know will help you regulate before you go back in and have that conflict. So it's important to develop a sense of faith and hope that everything's not going to fall down and and catastrophize the situation. It's more important to find that faith, to find that hope, to find that light so that you can get to the understanding. Once again, the biggest issue in doing high conflict with emotional flooding is to go after your your, uh, forgiveness. 
And it's important for the person doing a high conflict to want to forgive you and, and the person that's presenting the issue. Um, and so what you do, if you're going to go after forgiveness, and we talked about this in the last segment, and I'm going to reiterate it because it's so important. You do not focus on the bad thing that happened. You don't focus on the affair. You don't focus on the, the negative event. You don't focus on the, the, the loss of the job. What you focus on is the process that led to the loss of the job. And that process may could be completely out of the person's control. You know, it, it, maybe there were signs that were earlier on that we should have recognized. Maybe there were things that, that we need to bring out and go, okay, yeah, I kind of knew this was coming. I knew this was coming and all of a sudden, boom, it happened. You know, by logically deducing the process, then we understand where the responsibilities are. We understand the logic of how it happened and we can anchor our emotions into the response of how the process interacted with us and how we reacted to the process. So very, very important uh, for us not to live in that emotional flooding. It's very important for us to think in a faith-based capacity, not fear, because when fear enters, faith leaves. And I'm not talking just religion here, but when faith enters, fear leaves. And the beautiful part, if you are a Christian, the beautiful part, even somebody that's, that's religious, if you believe in God, um, is that you can anchor yourself in the fact that your life is not in your control and you're not supposed to control it. You're given a lot of choices in life. And we don't always make the best choices, but those choices, if they are tied to good intentions, God-based, Jesus-based thought process, then you know what? Um, We don't have to emotionally flood and we can present our our, uh, reasoning and we can get that forgiveness back. Very important to look for the process. Okay, so let's talk about with relationships. You know, um, it's it's very important that, uh, you know, if you're able to stop an argument as a couple, nobody's listening. And it's important to understand, once again, adult conflict, talking to your emotions. You know, I feel, I think, I believe. It's also important to mediate if you can get a mediator that is objective. The other thing is to anchor yourself on someone who has been through emotional flooding before, who maybe have been through the scenario that you have, so they can give you some objectivity and and give you a sense of being anchored and calm. Because many times we exchange energy from other people and we get energy from other people. And if you're getting a high intense energy from one person that's confronting you, that's one thing. But if you can go to somebody that is at a different energy level, you may be able to respond from their energy level rather than the person that you're receiving it from. You know, it's an important issue that you and your spouse can, can, can talk through in a calm manner and consider getting counseling if you can't do that. Because, you know, we all need tune-ups every once in a while. So whenever you do, you know, don't, don't shout, shut your spouse off. Ignore the issue. Uh, agree that maybe this one we're not solving very well, if, especially if you're having the same argument over and over and over and over. Nobody's listening. And that's the problem is that when we're in that emotional flooding stage, we're terrible listeners. We listen for what we want to hear rather than, and that's the problem with people confronting. They're listening for what they want to hear or they think they should hear rather than what the truth is. And what they remember oftentimes gets distorted, especially in an escalated argument. You know, um, we all know 
that uh, we get carried off by, you know, emotional currents that are dealing with our partner. And these aren't the day-to-day flashes of anger, but we're talking about the giant waves of bad feelings that knock you down and take your rational thought away. And so, you know, if you're in the middle of a, a conflict or disagreement, your partner says or does something and suddenly you fall down in a deep, dark hole, then, you know, you, you, you're registering a huge amount of rage, hurt, anger, panic, fear, all of those negative emotions, they can take you down. So you want to control that. You want to control that because if you let it happen, if you let it happen, it's going to do it more often. Uh, because we're going to learn that that's a normal reaction. And so we don't learn how to manage it. And that is the biggest part of talking it down. Talk about yourself, you know, our true person. Share what we feel, what we think, what we want. This brings closeness as we reveal information about ourselves. So, the you know, the first violation about, you know, if you're going to try to talk it down is to tell other people about themselves without permission. This means to blame or sarcasm or teasing or attacking or finger pointing that creates separation and alienation. However, this is what usually happens when people emotionally flood. The, you know, the second thing is, is to stay specific. That's what we do with music, with architecture, engineering, cooking, math, physics, computers, what we must do with communicating. When we stay concrete, others can understand what we're saying. So the topic, the request, the reasons, it brings peace. So, you know, we violate this by overgeneralizing. So this can take the form of sweeping conclusions, abstractions, labels, using words like always and never, bringing in other topics only barely related to the subject. And this is confusing and it fuels fear. And so once again, if you're going to be a conflict person, if you're going to deliver news that's going to be surprising or scary to someone, uh, you need to take that into consideration. You don't overgeneralize and and, and blame them or or already have a conclusion. By the way, people that ask the why question, they've already concluded. And so it's important to understand that you're going to get lies when you ask a why. You're going to get answers when you ask a what or a how. The other thing is, uh, is listen, if you're going to if you're going to confront with somebody, the first thing you want to do is be a good listener. So this means, you know, truly understanding what someone is saying. It doesn't mean you agree, but I understand. OK, I hear it. I, I hear what you're saying. You know, that's validation. That doesn't mean it's agreement. But that's the thing you have to do if you're going to do conflict. So the fourth, you know, the biggest violation is not listening. And we know how that feels because if we're not going to listen to a person, that means that we are judging them. And that also means uh, if we're not going to listen to the person we're confronting, uh, we're not safe. And we're disrespecting them, which causes them to feel anger because we're not listening. Not listening is disrespect. Disrespect is the biggest route towards rage. If you want rage, don't listen. And, and that's the biggest thing. So there's only two roots to rage, which is fear, which is part of emotional flooding, and disrespect. So if you're not going to listen, but you're going to confront, you're going to get a lot of rage. And, and so you, if you want to be uncomfortable, that's the way to do it. All right. That's our show. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. You know, I'd love to hear from you through our webpage on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel. Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. So remember, for every male's action, 
there's a female reaction. You know, um, the phrase, I need money, that's actually an emotion. Can you believe that? <laughs> I need money. <laughs> that means I can't survive. <laughs> it's so, it is an emotion. There, there is a thing called peezing, by the way, peezing. It's when you sneeze and pee at the same time. Now, remember, if you lack feelings for someone, look at them like you do your first cup of coffee and things may get better. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 